looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Past the Post. Brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. This is Past the Post for Sunday, November 6th. Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Fingers crossed that's what they'll be doing today at the Sunshine Coast. They'll have a big team there. They've got four horses in, three favourites and one second favourite. And I think they've got very high expectations of a first article, Golden Boom, in race six. The market tells us that as well. It's a short price favourite. So good luck to the team there today. And, of course, if you need to know anything about Archer Park Racing to get involved with it, just go to archerparkracing.com.au. Ben Dorries is with me this morning. Good morning, good sir. Yeah, what a week it was, the Melbourne Cup week, eh? And yesterday I thought was fabulous in Melbourne. I really liked the way they sort of reinvented that day a bit. Uh, it was just terrific racing, terrific theatre. Um, yeah, and I feel surprisingly sprightly at the end of Melbourne Cup week. Normally I'm a little bit sort of, you know, you've been through a big week, pretty heavy work week, but uh, I'm up and about today. I'm up and about as well, and I think you're spot on too with that, that last day of racing, whereas it not saying it used to be. It was the afterthought of the, the the week, but but we were looking forward to it yesterday. It was a it was an upward trajectory, and, and of course, you know, the, the right horses were in the right races. It all fell well for them, but I think it will in future as well. And we're going to have a look at Flemington in detail right from now, and then of course we'll look back at the Five Diamonds Day at Rose Hill, outstanding performance by Ellsberg to win that inaugural Five Diamonds, and then we'll touch on some of the highlights of Dooman yesterday. Ben's got a particular highlight he wants to tell me about. Uh, later in the program. So I'm looking forward to that. I've probably <laughs> already got a sneak preview of what he's going to say. Yeah, and you're just going to pop me relentlessly. Oh. I can fucking feel it. Best, best later. You, I was going to say you deliver a lot of rubbish sometimes, but... Um, uh, Do you know what I like about our relationship these days? At least you pop me on air. Like, that, that's fair enough. I don't mind a bloke. Well, that's the best. <laughs> I don't mind a bloke who pots me to my face. Better than trying to get the daggers out of your back. I want to get, I want to get maximum exposure <laughs> out of it. This is the only way I can do it. Let's go to Flemington yesterday. And we had the the brace of Group 1s, races 6, 7 and 8, the champion races. And let's go to the champion sprint. And, of course, Nature Strip, a champion sprinter, was the favourite. But before we do that, before we do that, let's go to Adamo's race. Of course, this was the, formerly the McKinnon Stakes, the champion stakes, 2,000 metres. And Adamo, of course, the Cox Plate winner, was the favourite. They run for home in the champion stakes at the 500 metres. Zaki in front from Maximal. Then came Elliptical and Hens. Next in the field, Mawunga. Animo is four off the lead, but coming on. And I'm Thunderstruck's two and a half behind him. So Zaki the leader. 300 metres to go. A full-on championship race now. Two legs in front. Animo unleashing. They were followed by He's a Shocker. Still Zaki. 100 metres to go. Followed by He's a Shocker. Mawunga Animo. Still Zaki. Zaki. Zaki holding on. Zaki back to back. Zaki wins it. Second, Mawungaro. He's a shocker. Then Adamo. Next in the field was Baker's Choice. Hinged and elliptical. I'm thunderstruck. Never came on from Mustang Valley. Behind those, Mr. Maestro and Maximal amongst the tailenders. Well, it was a case of handles bars down with Jamie Carr from about the 800 metres with Zaki. Went to the front, established the lead and then really started rolling, uh, running 11-second sectionals from about the half mile, ran them off their legs, getting a little tired at the end, but got the job done. Yeah, I think this was the crowning moment or the finest moment of Annabelle Nisham's training career. I know she's won, uh, you know, other group ones, but I reckon there was a real doubt on Zaki. Could he deliver? Uh, Was he the same horse as we saw last year? Um, 
I must admit, I, I doubted Zaki a bit whether he could, you know, I, I knew he was still a darn good horse, but just at this level with the Animos and I'm Thunderstrucks and whatever, um, but proved me wrong. And also, I think Annabelle Neesham, I heard in the press down there, said to Jamie Carr before the race, she said, I just want you to do exactly what Tim McClark did in the previous race on Alligator Blood, and that's pretty much exactly what she did. And Annabelle Neesham ended up with the Cornella in this race as well, with Moonga, who was third past the post, successfully protesting against second past the post. Ruffy, here's a shocker. So great moment for Annabelle Neesham. Yeah, it certainly was, and, and I agree with you too. With, with uh, To a degree, I agree with you with, with Zaki. I think a couple of times this spring campaign he's been dictated too but yesterday he was the one doing the dictating uh car giving that clear intention that she wanted to hold the front she got running from the 800 meters and that's when zaki's at his best and uh that was his fourth group one win since joining annabelle nation of course he's won the all-star mile as well so he's been one of the 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 headline stories in australian racing now over the past 18 months or so and jamie carr of course uh Good to see her finally get a big one during the, the, the Flemington's week. She had her parents with her at the races yesterday. Um, they've been with her, delightful people, and you can see she's very close to them. So a big moment for Jamie as well. Yeah, absolutely. And let's not forget, obviously, Mark Zara won the Melbourne Cup. Jamie Carr won the, the, the big great one yesterday. Both of those jockeys this time last year were suspended, mm. of course. So it's been a very tumultuous sort of time. Uh, well, not currently, but it was for them. So... Good on them. I've got to say, Animo, uh, disappointing. I, feel, I, th- I reckon um, the Blue Army has pulled the right rein with just about every horse they've had during the spring, but I reckon if they had their time again, they might have pulled up stumps after the Cox Plate. It might be one of these mornings, yes and no. Um, yes, uh, hindsight's a wonderful thing when they get beaten, but I will say on the performance itself, um, uh, again, times... Zaki ran 2-2, the last 634-17. So all the pace built from the half mile. And to compound to that, he was a little further back than I think many anticipated. I think most thought he might be running third or fourth. He was back sixth or seventh. So, you know, he, he was fighting the line well, but he never looked, you know, a, a, fleetingly you might have thought he would win in the early part of the straight. But the last 300 metres... He wasn't going to win. They weren't going to catch Zaki because he just built up those revs and was high-flying. You might be right about Zaki, but I would have given you $4 billion to one on he's a shocker beating Anime before the race. So I disagree with you slightly. I think Anime was a bit disappointing. Yeah, but, and, and as I say, with, with yes and no, probably our expectations are very high of him as well, which they're entitled to be. But uh, he's uh, acquitted himself well, of course, as the Cox Plate winner during the spring. I'm thunderstruck. It's just this, this again falls into the same category to agree as Animo when you get back near enough to last and Zaki's running the last 634 and change, it's difficult to to become a feature. But, of course, he's a shocker, certainly, to the stable proud. It's really turned a corner, hasn't it, since coming back from Sydney? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm thunderstruck. He's a serious horse, but it's just it's hard, isn't it, with those horses that get way back? Oh, maybe he's, he's better over a mile with a quicker speed charging home. I'm not sure, but, you know, whatever he is or whatever he is, he's a darn good horse. I'll talk more about the wait for age racing during the spring tomorrow morning on Press Room. Let's go to race six. Now, this is the, the sprint, the Daly sprint, the Daly champion sprint, and Nature Strip was the odds-on favourite and a well-backed odds-on favourite too. 
Nature Strip has plenty of company here. Front page Lofty strike together with Nature Strip. They were followed by Rock and Horse and Rothfire. And back in the field on the outside, Lavonde. Nature Strip with plenty of challenges. Lofty strike front page. Rock and Horse. Nature Strip's going to have to lift. Rock and Horse, the centre just in front of Nature Strip. Rock and Horse. Rock and Horse has won it from Nature Strip. And they were followed by Baller. Late for fourth. Giga kick. Lofty strike. Lavonde all there from Rothfire. Paulaley front page. Then Balanipatina Mar. Crusader Argentia and at the end of the field the Inferno I think Rocket Horse was about 100 to 1 when it won the new market earlier in the year not as big as odds yesterday but still liberally priced at $20 Mike Baroni the trainer is joining us as our first guest on Pass the Post Mike good morning good morning what a wonderful achievement uh, as a trainer and for the connections to win Flemington's two biggest races in one year two biggest sprint races in one year the new market and the and the sprint yesterday yeah, look, it's um, pretty unique. Uh, I don't think it's done that often, but um, yeah, she was. Uh, it's a really tough man that just loves going up straight, you know. So um, we went into it with a little bit of confidence, you say. Um, you know, I suppose when you when you're up against nature strip and and um, the three year old, um, we really only thought we were out for third money, but we knew that she loved the straight and she wouldn't be far away. With the tactics yesterday, did uh, you just tell Jamie Mott to sort of ride his own race and not worry about the nature trips and the you know the the other horses at the top of the market, or, or was there a, was there a different plan there? Yeah, look, he had a bit of a talk with Patrick about um, Patrick Riley about her, and when he came out and we had a bit of a chat, he had a pretty well summed up, um, and she's just one that needed a little bit of cover for a while, and that she as long as she was a couple of lengths of them, well, you know, we usually finish off as well, not better than anything else in the race, but um, just hoping that we could get that close to them early, and she pinged the gates, and and he just got cover for a first third of the race, and then got exposed, but early, I know um, Jamie's a bit worried about it, because she, she can get pulling pretty hard, but he said she relaxed lovely um, yesterday, and was always in a nice rhythm, and, and then toughed it out really well. I don't know if you can answer this question, Mike, but you, you made mention there about Rocket Horse being exceptionally good up the straight. Why are some horses better up the straight than others? So I put that to Greg Charles years ago, and he just said it's to do with them. Is you do, to win up the straight, you need a really strong horse that can uh, stay on one leg and then swap and then get back on the other leg quickly and have the strength to be able to do it. And um, I think he's right. They, they've got to be pretty strong and tough. Um, because it is a long way up their lead on, on the same leg. And yeah, as you said, they've got to be able to rest that leg at some stage, but only briefly, mm. and then swap back and, and, and be able to quicker again. So um, she's capable of doing that. And I think that's the, the other sort of horse again. That's a, a great observation. That Just tell us the events surrounding the Manicato a few weeks earlier with Rocket Horse. Yeah, look, she holds up the top stalls with her. Um, when the first crack lightning... Uh, went and that was a really very very loud one. I think it was a, the one that actually hit the uh, crane behind uh, the, the horse stalls. And um, then when they did clear it um, and they come out of the track, uh, I sort of followed her down. And then of course they it's just, just on the track when it happened. And then they turned around and brought them back. When she got back into the parade area, she was really freaking out about it. Um, she was getting to a stage where she was just about trying to lie down rather than go forward. Um, she was that freaked out with the whole thing. So um, we, I, I sort of noticed that. And then 
the time she got home, she didn't have a lot of time to eat before the staff started working in the next morning, and she hadn't really touched the feed. Um, so that was the next sign. We still took her through to uh, the races, and then she was there because only just down the road from us at Flippington, uh, at Mooney Valley for Flippington. So we still went, but I always went in the back of my mind with, with thinking uh, if they don't change the track to this, we'll pull out. And so I rang the owners and just said, look, you know, I'm not that keen on running um, if they don't change the track distance because we, we're, um, you know, it's going to be too wet for us anyway. And they said, that's no, fine. They gave me permission to do that. So I waited for a little bit longer and sort of had a bit of a look at it when she arrived on, on track and then we decided to scratch. So it's, it worked out really well. What do you and the, the owners sort of do you know, going forward next year and um, whatever with you? Is there a, 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 I don't know, it's only the day after, but is there a, Obviously, she's you know, pretty valuable and won a fair bit of money. What, um, what's the blueprint going forward? Yeah, look, I would, look, my first thoughts would be that we'll go um, into two big sprints in Australia because she loves it, loves Australia. And then a possibly uh, go up the TJ Smith. Um, where last year, it's a pity she got up there and didn't show any signs that she wasn't right. We took a temperature that morning and she ran and ran terribly. And the next morning, she had a raging hot temperature. And to a stage that she, we couldn't travel for, to have the spelling paddock at all for four or five days because the temperature kept um, raising. So she obviously copped a de- decent bug. Um, and that was the reason she went so bad in the, in the TJ, I'm sure, because I knew she was a long way better horse than that. So um, that would be my first thought. So it'd be the three races. Um, but in saying that, um, no, that we've been um, offered a chance of going to go into Royal Ascot. Um, whether she does that, that'll be up to the owners, but um, certainly it'll be something we'll throw around. Yeah, so it's a wonderful story. Could have been a wonderful story on Tuesday. Emissary running second in the Melbourne Cup. Was there a point there over the last 300 metres you thought to yourself, just with yourself and no one else, oh, we're going to win this? Yes, there was. Um, <laughs> I even got a bit of a scream because I thought the way he was coming yeah. and just knowing you know, that he had a really economical run and the way he finished off the John Cup. But I, I was always sort of thinking to myself, it's the ground that might stop him. And I think it was. Um, he just couldn't accelerate enough in that ground and keep doing it uh, at the end of two miles. So... Um, and I just took the shine off of, of, of his finish. But I'd say a very, very good ride by Mark Jara when you watch it. Um, he just swapped the stick over to the left at the right time. I think if he hadn't have, we would have beaten him. Um, but once he did that, and then he wandered back out to us. And he sort of just took our line for a couple of strides. Um, that was enough to sort of really put our horse with his game and get a bit tired a little bit earlier, I think. But, um, but no, a really good ride by, um, by Zara on the winner without any doubt. That might just switching back to yesterday for a second. I, I've got a half a suspicion you must have told Rupert Lee and the boys to back snapper in the last fifty-one into twenty-one and uh, won very well. Yeah, well, I really thought he was a big five-dollar shot in that field, but <laughs> I wish I'd have known that. Telling me how much he was paying, I, I said you're kidding me. Um, he's he's only one of the one ran in a group one and with them two links of the winners in the group one race um, in the race, and even though he hasn't got. A couple, a couple, he had a couple of negatives. One was he didn't have formed in the straight. Um, and but most of his wins were at Mooney Valley. Uh, and the other thing is he had a fair bit of weight um, in hindsight. But 
when the, I think at one stage he's paid thirty something dollars. So um, big money, you know, for a horse that's um, group placed horse. Yeah, I, I was writing the prices down yesterday morning in our previews, and at, at about nine o'clock yesterday morning or ten o'clock your time, I, I looked this morning when I was going through the sheet. Seventy-one dollars he was yesterday morning, so that was just crazy odds, obviously. Crazy odds, yeah, yeah. Good on you, mate. Thanks for joining us this morning. Congratulations on yesterday, and, and a very proud uh, man you would have been with Emissaries running the Melbourne Cup as well. Thanks for having me on. Mike Baroni joining us this morning, the trainer of Rock and Horse, who, yes, uh, achieved a, a great feat to win the Newmarket and the Darley Sprint yesterday in one year. Absolutely uh, terrific. And it's he uh, really gives his time freely to us, doesn't he, Mike Baroni? And he, he's always candid when he comes on. Uh, of the Beatenburg Road, wow, wee, what about Baller? Flashing arm. That is, we were just talking to Mike Moroni about straight track horses. He is just a straight track specialist baller, isn't he? $61. And I think got held up for a little bit. I don't think would have won, but arguably should have beaten home nature strip if he finished just ahead of him in second. So that was $270,000 to Baller's collection, collections, well, if you don't mind. That's what we were saying the previous week. Gypsy Goddess, a million, and uh, I think it was Weona Smart, one, 190000 for not winning. And yesterday, Baller, 270000 That's like winning. A half-million-dollar race. Yeah. And, and the other Queensland are Rothfire, ran eighth, um, but only beaten uh, a length and a quarter. Uh, was was under sort of hard riding a fair way out, but I just reckon maybe the straight, sort of the first time, just maybe got a bit lost. Uh, you know, really, but finished a length off Nature Strip. I think if he had said to Rob Heathcote before the race, you're going to finish a length off Nature Strip, he would have taken it. So it'd be interesting to see... I think he'll go to the winter bottom in Perth. I'm actually going to the winter bottom in Perth too. So I'm yes. strongly encouraging Rob to get over there with the fire. <laughs> it's difficult in, in these races. When you're at the absolute top level races, these group one, these big group one races, and, you know, to be fair, there's not a lot between them. And, and as you said, he's finished a length behind Nature Strip. I thought he was... Uh, a deserved an honourable mention, Rothfire. What do we what do we make of Nature Strip? A bit like Animo, we have such high and lofty expectations. We expect them to win all the time. They can't win all the time. I think you sort of knew yesterday, fair way out, he wasn't in that real cruise control. He wasn't He wasn't in control of his rivals. He was He was flat out a fair way from home. I reckon it was a good run, and I say that because I, uh, I, I thought two, three hundred out, I, I thought he was dead set going to run about eighth, and we're going to say, uh-oh, what's happened to this horse? So I think he toughed it out pretty well. Um You'd be disappointed if you backed him at the dollar seventy-five, obviously. But look, I, you know, he had his colours lowered, but I, I thought it was an okay run. Giga Kick was back in the ruck at the the back of the bus. Didn't have a great deal of luck. Was getting to the line well. That was the sprint. Let's go to the Kennedy Champions Mile, and Private Eye was the favourite. They come to the middle of the track and Alligator Blood is the first to straighten. 400 metres to go. Alligator Blood cuddled in front. Two links. Mr. Brightside Tuvalu. Private Eye under pressure. And then came Dallas San and back behind them. My Oberon. Alligator Blood. 200 metres to go. A length and a half to two links. Mr. Brightside Tuvalu. Aegon late. Alligator Blood. 100 metres to go. Still clear from Tuvalu. Alligator Blood holding on. The Alligator wins. Alligator Blood and Nick Tuvalu. Third, a photo finish. Aegon, Mr. Brightside, followed then by My Oberon and Private Eye Cascadian under the arches, Colding Sinawan, Dallasan, and Kiss Sum at the tail of the field. Alligator Blood securing his fourth Group 1 and that typical front-running ride by Tim Clark and that typical front-running and courageous uh, display that Alligator Blood is giving under the care of Gay Waterhouse. 
and Adrian Bott. And Adrian Bott is with us this morning. Adrian, good morning. Yeah, good morning, guys. You must feel very proud of this horse, but also very proud of the stable, yourself and Gay, uh, for what this horse has done this year for you. Yeah, he's been he's been fantastic for us in, in, in fairness, just in that sort of short short period. Um, yeah, re- remarkable horse, what he's been able to achieve, and you know, hopefully, what he continue to, to to go on and achieve. But he's been yeah mixing it with the best. These tough weight for age horses are certainly hard to hard to come by, and certainly one as tough as him. So yeah, feel very fortunate um, to be able to sort of have that have that opportunity um, and um, yeah I guess it's an honour we've been able to, 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 to deliver. He ran obviously fabulously well in the Cox Plate but looking at yesterday do you think he's just a dead set miler? Look I, I think at this stage that's probably where his um, best sort of trip is um, you know a strong a strongly run mile uh, like I, I think there yesterday um even though he sort of dictated, I, I thought everything sort of had its chance. They, they were, were sort of strung out. It was a sort of a nice, um, even tempo all the way. So, um, yeah, I, I guess sort of trying to take that advantage of the fitness that he had for those couple of 2,000 metre runs, dropping back to the mile, didn't want to uh, didn't want to have the chance of sort of being out sprinted by anything. Uh, but I'd say sort of freshening up, he can be effective in that 14 to 1,600 is sort of probably where he's, is his sweet spot um, under the right races. In conditions probably wouldn't, um, you know, wouldn't sort of hesitate to, to, to test him over 2,000 again, but it'd just have to be for the right reasons and, and the right circumstances. I want to pay special uh, tribute here to Tim Clark. Yeah. We've just mentioned him before that he's an exceptionally good rider, but he's an exceptionally very good rider when it comes to front-running uh, performances. What I like what he does is he comes out and he establishes his intention that he is going to hold the lead. So... I know you see so many jockeys, they half come out and next thing they get crossed, but he makes his intentions clear, then he rides so well. And you look at the sectional breakdown yesterday, every furlong from about the, the 1247, 11.81, 11.48, 11.19, That's just magic, just building on that speed every 200 metres, uh, so much so that they that they can't catch him. It was a, It was a great ride. Yeah, it certainly wasn't. You know, it's sort of playing to the to the horse's strengths. He's got that good cruising speed. So, as I said, didn't want to sort of do that hard work early to to establish the lead and then, um, you know, allow things into the race by sort of backing it off in, in the mid stages and sort of giving giving everyone an easy time and, and allowing them a chance to sort of, um, you know, sort of get into the race and uh, potentially out sprint us. So, yeah, it takes you know, obviously it takes a bit of confidence in the horse and and knowing sort of. Um, you know what he's got sort of underneath him to be able to have the confidence to, you know, continually run those style of races and 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 use that um, use that energy early in the race to to establish a position. So yeah, it takes a certainly an element of of confidence from the jockey's behalf to be able to um, you know take up the lead and, and put themselves into the race. Can you give us a little bit of an insight into what the future might hold for Alligator Blood? I'm assuming probably. Because he's gone so deep into the spring, Magic Millions might be off the table. Um, obviously, Gay talked about Royal Ascot potentially. And can you also clarify, is he still banned from racing in New South Wales? Do you know? Obviously, the Victorian ban was lifted. He's fine to race in Queensland. Can he race in New South Wales? Look, I haven't um, addressed the, the race in New South, racing New South Wales issue just yet. Um, obviously, sort of, we're pretty sort of firmly established for the for the um, for the Melbourne campaign when when we sort of got got the ban lifted. So 
look, I'd, I'd like to think that under the, the new ownership structure, um, there's no reason that the, the horse couldn't continue in, in racing racing in New South Wales, but that's something yet to be uh, taken to the to the stewards or the officials there. Um, I guess we've got a bit of time now that we, we can so we can work out what our what our options are going forward, whether we can look at some, some races in, in New South Wales for him, Nets preparation. Um, obviously, he's been very effective in, in, in Melbourne and that's open to him again. Um, some, some nice races around the mile for him next time in. Yeah, Queensland probably does come around a, a little bit quick, purely uh, on the back of a, a tough campaign. Um, and the fact that we also sort of race through the Queensland winter, um, he's pulled up remarkably well and he, he copes with his racing well. He thrives on it, so he'll bounce back um, very quickly, but probably hard to go up to Queensland uh, and, and, and through to the, to the early autumn again as well. Um, so I'd say at this stage we'll focus on the autumn. Um, uh, internationally, yeah, it'd certainly always be something that you'd love to achieve as a, a trainer taking a horse internationally, certainly a horse that could could do that number of sort of options but but ultimately that's uh, Jerry's call and what he'd like to achieve I, I sort of get the feeling he would um you know love to be flying the flag here in Australia there's great prize money um you know the horse is racing well and it's great for his you know for his family that he's, he's bred the horse the stallion all too hard he's, he's he stands at stud so um yeah a number of factors that keeps uh you know Jerry interested in racing the horse here and ultimately it's his call yeah, a race like the Queen Anne Stakes would be an ideal one, but a, a race, he's a very popular horse, Alligator Blood, uh, uh, right across Australia. A race like the All-Star Mile would seem ideal in, in March. Well, I'd like to think with the publicity that we've got with the horse over the years that we could put it to use in, in, in getting a <laughs> getting a spot in the, in the all-too-hard, in, in, in the All-Star Mile. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we can put that to use at some point. I'd love to see him line up there, and obviously it's a, um, you know, a, a, a great race. The track is... He's effective on all the tracks there in, in Melbourne. I forget which one it would be at this year. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point too. Um, just quickly, uh, your Melbourne Cup runner, who you Mel? How did it pull up? He pulled up great. Um, yeah, just probably tough ask for him. Just uh, the, the first time racing these Australian conditions, he just raced a little bit keen over the two miles uh, for, for the first time. Um, I, I think he's going to be a, a horse with a bright future here. He's going to be really suited by the conditions. Um, yeah, we... We'll see how his next campaigns go over the over the autumn and early part of the spring before deciding whether we, we test him over the two miles again. But I, I think he's going to be a proper weight for age horse for us down here. Good on you, mate. Thanks for joining us this morning. Congratulations to you and Gay on the wonderful training performance here with Alligator Blood. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Adrian Bott joining us, of course. Uh, yes, Jerry Harvey, one of the part owners. But Jeff and Robin Simpson have been there right from the get-go. I thought we'd have a chat with Jeff this morning. I'm sure he's... Walking tall after Alligator Blood's uh, Group 1 win yesterday. Jeff, good morning. Good morning, David. How are you? I'm well. Gee, we haven't... We spoke, I reckon, a couple of years ago when this whole Alligator Blood story was just starting. Uh, we did an yeah. interview at Eagle Farm one day. Uh, That's right. Congratulations on yesterday. Oh, thank you very much. Look, he's a he's a powerful horse. You know, he's so strong and never gives up. That's his, that's his message he's, he puts out there. And Jeff, you and your lovely wife Robin, who are, are both have both been in the, the ownership from day dot. It, it's a lovely story, you guys, isn't it? You met more than fifty years ago when you worked at a coal supermarket. Yes, you've you've owned milk bars together. You've, you've, you know, and now you're riding this uh, the journey of this incredible horse together. Oh yeah, it's, it's you know when you when you buy a horse, you, you you always hope that they can get to these levels, and but you you just never know until they start and. 
But this horse, he's, he's always had that aura around him that, you know, he thinks he's special and he is. Was there ever a moment in the whole journey when you thought, I mean, obviously he came back from kissing spine surgery. I remember actually seeing him run in the gold market one day on the Gold Coast when he came back and I thought, oh, don't know about the future for this horse. I can't remember where he finished. I don't think it was in the placings. Was there ever a moment sort of going back a year or two where you sort of thought, well, oh, maybe, maybe we've kind of seen the best of this horse when he was a three-year-old or did you always think he had a lot more to give? Look, um, it was always a burning question. Um, it was probably not in the program for him to stay in Queensland. He was always going to get too, too much weight anyway. I mean, he's, he's not an overly, you know, massive horse, but he's well put together. And, uh, you know, probably carrying huge weights would never be his forte anyway. So it was always a plan to sort of go south with him and and where he would be better weighted. So, yeah, that turned out fantastic. We are just having a chat with Adrian, and we're saying he's a very popular horse. A race like the All-Star Mile would, would, would seem ideal. But I think the reason he's popular is a few reasons, Jeff. One, he's uh, the name, Alligator Blood. But two, the fact that his racing style, he gets out there and says, come on, run me down, see if you can run me down. And it's that will to win and that courageous, you know, front-running style he's got. That endears him to a lot of people. Yeah, look, he, it's, oh, I think he's quite... Um you know he could he could do it from behind or do it in front. I, I I believe, but you know he's been doing it in front and he's been doing it well. So you know it's like a if your car ain't broke, you don't change it. So <laughs> exactly. just keep going. Jeff, I got a personal plea from myself, Ben Doris. Can you convince Jerry and everyone to take this horse to Royal Ascot? Mainly because I'd love to get over there. If he gets over there, <laughs> you're gonna have to put up with me for a week, old son. I reckon we'll have the time of our lives. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. Let's just uh, let's just see what happens. That All Star Mile would be, you know, when he took it on the first time, it was at the end of his prep, and he wasn't the best. Where this time he'll be, you know, going towards his peak condition. So he'll give that a good shake, I'd say. And I wouldn't say that there would be much problem as far as boating goes. He, he still holds a record from the first time of how many votes he got. So. <laughs> maybe, maybe we can carry them over again. Jeff, to you and Robin, congratulations. It's been a wonderful year, hasn't it? A Stradbroke handicap, the Underwood Stakes, and then yesterday the uh, the Kennedy Champions Mile. What a year it's been. Thanks for being with oh, us this fantastic. morning. Oh, fantastic. Look, he's given us the thrill of our life, I tell you. Good on you, mate. Thank you. Thank you, David. Jeff, Jeff Simpson joining us this morning, and uh, yeah, it is a great story, isn't it? Yeah. Can we just get that horse to Royal Ascot? I, I, miss, I haven't been to London for five or six years. Imagine, like, the owners there meeting the king, and, oh, wow, we choose it'd be fun. It's all about you, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. It's all about you. <laughs> pretty much. What's your point? <laughs> <laughs> Private Eye had every chance. He lacked, the, I think, the zip that most expected he might deliver in the straight. Well, yeah, I must admit, look, I know Private Eye won an Epsom, but I reckon he was... Gee, he was sent out short yesterday at $2.20. Because to my eye, he's just been trained as a pure sprinter. Um, this campaign, obviously, forever and whatever, and all of a sudden he's, he's out over a mile and starts $2.20. Um, anyway, um, it was what it was. Alligator Bub was just too good on the day. Tuvalu, very honest. Mr Brightside, very honest. And Aegon rattling home down the outside and even wider was Cascadium. Let's push on and listen to some of the other black-type features at Flemington yesterday. As we said, this was a great day of racing. 
And we're going to go to the matriarch stake, the tab matriarch stakes for the mares at group two level. Steinem took the front at the 300 metres. She's wandering about, though. A tissue chasing hard. Steinem, 200 metres to go. A tissue's got her, though. It's a staying test. They were followed by Honey Creeper, Togarangi. A tissue up to Steinem, 100 to go. And she's coming clear. It's number eight for J-Mac. A tissue wins it well. A tissue first, two legs Steinem. Third, a dead heat. Honey Creeper or Togarangi. Then Cyrileo Miss and next Polly Gray, Elusive Express. Well back the map in company then with... Behind them, thought-provoking, glory-bound dynasties and Foxy Frieda. There's a lot of residual form coming out of the Winter Carnival. We saw her here during the winter at Tissue, and uh, she was uh, well ready to strike yesterday, fifth run back, but a good run on the Empire Rose uh, on the seven-day backup. She was too good for them. Yep, no excuses for anything else in that race, and not sure there's much more I can add. We want to have a talk about this horse called Sulcum, an import, uh, first run in Australia, had big wraps on him, and obviously they were well justified. Let's listen to him in action in the Queen's Cup. 500 metres to go. It's warning with Persan. Luncey's makes a line of three. Next in the field is Soundo. Compromise back to the inside from Greathouse. Sulkerman, and Captain Envious right down the outskirts. Plenty hopes here. 250 metres to go. Going up and taking the lead. Luncey's from warning. Here's Sulkerman now digging in. Sulkerman sprints hard. Moves up to Luncey's. Then Captain Envious. But Sulkerman is going to dart clear and is a little bit too good for them. Sulkerman wins it. Second Luncey's. Third Captain Envious. Fourth sound, then Persan warning Great House, no compromise, King of the Castle, Cariff, and last San Herberto. I don't think it's overstating it matters that he's an exciting addition to the staying ranks here in Australia. That was only his eighth start yesterday. Yeah, well, we are. Um... I love Matt Hill as a caller, but I'll disagree with him there. A little bit too good for them. He was what length of the straight too good for them. It's just outstanding, 2,600 metres. First up in Australia for, for Chris Waller and Ozzy Kieran, the boys, and has been promoted to equal favouritism uh, at $15 for next year's uh, Melbourne Cup. A son of Frankel, uh, you know, who knows whether he will get that far, but gee whiz, they're going to have a bit of fun with him. And, of course, Luna Flair uh, was scratched for the second time in a week um, from that race, but I've got to say he wouldn't have beaten um, Sulcombe from no, what, I, what I saw. Nothing. Sorry, she wouldn't have beaten Sulcombe from what I saw yesterday. No, nothing would have. That man Green Alch is in that horse as well. Yeah. Talk about a Midas touch. Nope. But, but um, you, know, yeah, he, you know what? He said to me about three weeks ago, he said, look, I'm going to take you and Tretton out. Tretton is my colleague. He said, we're going to have a, a nice dinner. I said, great. When can we do it? And anyway, we couldn't make it fit. He said, let's do it mid-November. He said, it'll be a nice dinner. He said, if I can win a race or two in Melbourne, he said, it'll be a very nice dinner. Melbourne Cup, third in the Cox Plate yesterday. I'm thinking lobster and caviar and champagne. It'll be terrific. I might take a picture for you, David. And more about you again? Um, 100%. Last replay from Melbourne. Let's just listen to the Amanda Elliott. So Atmosphere is the front runner, led to the corner from Yaka Ishii at the 550. A length away out deeper on the track, then is sweetened. Then came Shuriken El Padrino behind the magic timeout wider, and they were followed by eponymous Atlantic Ocean battling on, but Atmosphere got going, and at the 300 metres, led by three lengths, magic time, sweetened El Padrino, get up girl, Atlantic Ocean, Shuriken, Atmosphere, 200 metres to go, getting tired, magic time in hot pursuit now, it's Atmosphere, 100 
100 to go from Magic Time. Get up, girl, late. Magic Time wearing them down. And Magic Time over the top on it from Atmosphere. Get up, girl, El Padrino. Next, Atlantic Ocean, Shuriken and King's Consort from Angry Skies. Then Sweet and Zambagini and Sandpaper. Bonheur and then Street Gossip. Well, back in the field, Yaka Ishi and Eponymous pulled itself into the ground and finished last. Very promising Philly magic time for Graham Beck, who we were just talking about in, in reference to Luna Flame. But she debuted on the pack of them synthetic. She won by a big margin. She looked good that day. It was a big step up yesterday to black type, but she handled it well. Let's take a break now on Past the Post. Thanks for your company this morning. Still plenty to talk about, including up next, Five Diamonds Day at Rosehill Gardens. You're listening to Radio Tab's Past the Post with David Fowler and Ben Dorries. Welcome back to Pass the Post, brought to you by archerparkracing.com.au. That's their website. You can find out everything there. And, of course, we're getting towards yearling sales time too, so best have a look. Well, it was the inaugural running of the Five Diamonds at Rosehill Gardens yesterday, a $2 million race, and as the name suggests, four five-year-olds. The Epsom winner, Ellsberg, was the favourite. Approaching the turn now, the favourite Ellsberg just in front from Ayrton, breathing down his neck. Sabaka's pulling out. Laws of Indices forced deep. Ida scrubbed up on the rails. Two lengths away to Diamond, Rebel Rama, and then came New Mandate at the 300 metres and Ellsberg kicking here from Sabak. Laws of Indices still hanging tough the outside. It's Ellsberg and Sabak now. Sabak drawing level with Ellsberg. Ellsberg the inside of Sabak. Head and head they go on the five diamonds. Ellsberg just in front of Sabak. He's strong Ellsberg kicks, wins. Ellsberg a half head to Sabak. Laws of Indice, three wide the trip, ran third, followed then by Uncle Brennan Daimler. Further back to New Mandate, Longvalier late, a gap back to Ayrton from Ita, Rebel Rama, and Milford was the last one to finish. Ellsberg kept favourite backers happy, doing it from start to finish. Co trainer Sterling Alexio next up with us now on Past the Post. Sterling, good morning. Yeah, good morning, guys. How are you? Well, and I'm sure you are as well. Look, I, I know this horse won the Group 1 Epsom, and that's a, a time-honoured race. I've got to say, yesterday, though, I thought this was a career best by this horse. He went to 1,800 metres. He had to carry the 59 kilos. But what about the time? He ran 147.43, which is a new track record. I'll give you a bit of background of this just to show how good this performance was. The previous track record was held by Intergaze. He was no slouch about 25 years ago. You beat that record by half a second. And on that day when Intergaze ran that track record, it was the Rose Hill Giddies and he beat Mind and Power. That's an extraordinary performance yesterday, Sterling. Yeah, I, you know, mid-race, I just thought he was doing a bit too much with the leader and I thought it was going to rip, leave him really vulnerable late and um, probably set it up to something behind him. But, you know, he, he showed his his true grid on Saturday and um, you know I've always said every time you take him at the races he, he fills you with such confidence because you always know you're going to you, you know whatever he's got to give you're going to get it and um, yeah I think you give it all on, on uh, yesterday so I uh, just I'm really proud of the horse you, you knew in your training career, I suspect you'll have a lot of good good horses to come in future years, but uh, I, I have a feeling this horse, you might have pictures on your wall at home for, for, for many years, obviously gave you your first group one, and I think it's won about 2.3 million just in his last three starts. Just extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah, well, um, prize money aside, and um, obviously he's my first group one winner, um, you know, we, we trained his father, Spilled the Beans, who I believe could have gone on to be a, um, be a group one horse. Um, and then obviously we sort of found, uh, seeked him, 
seeked him out at the sales and we, we paid quite a bit for him. Um, you know, he, he wasn't a very fashionable sire then, but he was a great type and we fell in love with him at the sales and sort of we both stuck our ne- necks out on, on the line and, um, you know, to see see what he's doing now and, you know, what, what he's achieving for all his owners and the stables is just fantastic. And he, he's furnishing into a lovely horse now. And this is this is a great advertisement of this race, this, this five diamonds race for five-year-olds, that we've always known him to be an above-average horse, but it's been this campaign that he's really he's really gone to a new level, not only in coping with longer distance, being versatile, not just being necessarily a leader. He came off the speed of the Epsom, and, you know, he was often considered better on wet tracks. Well, that might be the case, but yesterday was a damn good, you know, solid service, and he's... He's run a track record. Where does the future sit now uh, next year for Ellsberg? Look, I'm not, I'm not too sure. Obviously, um, you know, he's going to get weighted out of a lot of the handicaps now, so he's going to have to step it right up. And when he comes back next preparation, he's going to probably have to improve again because he's, you know, he's basically going to be a weight for age horse. So, um, look, we'll just sort of probably sit down after the next, in the next couple of days and start working out on a program for him in the autumn. But, um, you know, he, every time he comes back, he seems to improve. And if he does that again, well, you know, obviously he's going to measure right up to the good ones again in the autumn. So it's, I think it's exciting for everyone. Yeah, it's a great thing to have on a horse that every time they, they come back for a new campaign, they've improved, whether it's physically or, or, or uh, mentally-wise. But this has been a wonderful campaign for him. Congratulations to you and pass on our best to Gerald as well. Okay, thank you very much, gents. Sterling Alexio joining us this morning. And this is a horse, I'm not saying he's a revelation, but he's just kept um, adding strings to his bow. And, you know, to run a track record over 1,800, I don't think anyone would have, would have thought Ellsberg would have done that six months ago, but he did it yesterday. It's funny, the progression of horses, isn't it? Like, I mem- remember the Winter Carnival, not the most recent one, but the, the, the one last year, Anton was a real spruce horse mm. and uh, won the guns in, I think, beating Ellsberg. Yeah. And sort of no one knew anything about Ellsberg. Anton sort of really, he's been okay, but, you know, Ellsberg's been the one that's, that's gone on. You probably wouldn't have tipped that back then. Well, Anton folded up like a tent in the early part of the straight yesterday where Ellsberg was just firing along. And as I said, 59 kilos, to, but to run 147.43, Intergaze was not a champion, but he was one of the best stayers about, you know, a quarter of a century ago. And he beat that by half a second. I normally fall asleep when you're talking about times, but I actually really enjoyed that little spiel from you. You've, that was terrific. I've, I've learned something. You'll wake up one day that times mean something. <laughs> but I tell you what, you've been asleep for a long time in that department. <laughs> a long time. Think of it over Christmas when you come back for the uh, for the autumn. Let's uh, continue at Rose Hill Gardens yesterday. The Golden Gift. This was a million-dollar race for the two-year-olds. At the 300, it's Giddle on the leader from Infatuation closing in. Mahaba sticks on well in third. Then came Barbara Mexico. Infatuation moves up to get along. Mahaba's all over the shop. It's Infatuation. Barber is cutting them down the outside. Infatuation in front from Barber. Levels up, lunges. Barber cut down Infatuation to win the golden gift. Photo for third, Mahaba and Summer Loving. Boy, there's plenty to talk about out of that race. Mexico next from Gidalong, Kintyre. Further back to Disneck, Flying Trapeze. Then came Razors from Coenside, Shine Your Light. And back towards the rear was Speedster along with Misty Legend. This was a, this was a damn good win by Barber. He drew near the outside gate, missed the kick, was a mile back on the fence, but went to the line powerfully. The speed was on for him, but it's now two from two. I'm not sure about the opposition. Uh, you know, we'll probably... 
look back at this in a couple of months' time and say, yeah, I know as far as the quality is concerned, but you can't fault that win. It was very good. Yeah, I think Ray Thomas, in his copy for the Daily Telly today, described it as a bel de jour-like win. I'm not quite sure it was that, but it was certainly uh, spectacular after missing the start. I thought the runner-up infatuation was, was very brave too. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, the top two, Barber and Infatuation, well, Barber's in the Golden Slipper, obviously, now. Uh, infatuation with the prize money is mm. there as well. Some of these early, or well, relatively early season two-year-old races carry so much money, and um, I suppose the, the trainers of the first two horses can just smoke their pipe now and everything leads towards a Golden Slipper. He's by Exceed and Excel, and uh, well done, Barber. He's out of a mare called Trim, who was a Lonroe mare. Let's go to the other feature yesterday, the Group 2 Hot Danish for the Phillies and Mares. Lavish Girl in front narrowly here from sticking on on the outside. Knight of Romance, now Electric Girl going after them and she's about to chiming in nicely the outside. Clear from She's a Gift and More Secrets. Lavish Girl the inside. White out She's a Belter. Electric Girl poking through the middle. Here's a great go in the hot dainty. She's a Belter. Lavish Girl trying to fight back just in front. She's a Belter and She's a Belter won the hot dainty. Ran down Lavish Girl. More Secrets got up for third in front of Electric Girl. Then came Divine Magic Close up, Charlize. She's the gift back on the rails, followed by Knight of Romance. Further back then to Samut from Jamea, and Cliff's Harp was one of the last to finish. She was a Winter Carnival star. She took the size produce JJ Atkins double, and at her second run back uh, this campaign, she was able to win. Didn't have much luck first up um, at Ramick. She was jammed near the rail, and there was no real clear run. I wouldn't say she was desperately unlucky, but... I thought it was an inconclusive run, but yesterday with clear air, she sprinted impressively. Yeah, she's explosive when she's on song, isn't she? And um, as you mentioned, great to see that winner carnival form sticking up, which it normally does. I mean, the JJ Atkins winner generally goes on to be a good horse, um, and I think um, this girl certainly will. This was a, another time point here. Trot and Canter here, they walked early and sprinted home. Last 633.41. The run of Moore's Secrets was good because it was difficult to make ground, but she's one who did make ground in the race. So that was Rose Hill Gardens yesterday. The attention now turns to the provincial circuits of Kembla uh, and, uh, sorry, no, Newcastle next week and then Kembla. Of course, the Hunter at Newcastle and the Gong at Kembla. And, of course, in Victoria as well, we leave the city and we go to, I think it's Cranbourne next week and Ballarat the week after. Yep, more big money. Oh, I love big money in races. However, I, I must say, just from my personal point of view, I'm not quite sure the big dance really set too many uh, hearts on fire on Tuesday and also the five diamonds there, $2 million race. Good luck to Ellsberg, but uh, gee whiz, there's a lot of money uh, going into some of these races. I don't mind the Everest, the Golden Eagles, Silver Eagles, but yeah, be interesting to see how the big dance and the five diamonds go in future years. Yeah, um, I think the big dance is, is set. There will always be a capacity field because it's for country mm. cups, so you're always going to have a big field on Melbourne Cup Day. Um, I don't think it's going away. I don't think the Five Diamonds is either, although he'd had a smaller field. I think at 11. That horse that Frankie de Tory rode in the big dance, Hosier, I think it's just waking up now. Was that <laughs> tired from the run? Yeah, and it was a fast run race too. Let's go to Dooman yesterday. This was, uh, I thought, one of the more interesting performances of the day. We're going to have a chat about it with the trainer, with the co-trainer, after we hear the replay. The winner is Enterprise Attack. In the home straight, though, Clairview Molly made a very quick sweep, caught them flat-footed and dashed to the lead. Enterprise Attack has to do the chasing now. Then Larrikin Rogue followed by Guru Class. It's Clairview Molly in front. Enterprise Attack is trying to lift. Clairview Molly still the leader. Uh, trying hard Enterprise Attack. Larrikin Rogue run up on the inside. Enterprise Attack off the canvas job. Similar to Eagle Farm. 
He's beaten either. The Ander Chance flying out wide. Clearview Molly or Larrikin Rogue right to the inside. Then came Guru Class and Sailor Secret out towards the tail end. And a pretty fair bet on Enterprise Attack when it won its maiden Eagle Farm. It gave me heart failure that day. I wasn't on it uh, yesterday. I tipped it, but if I'd been on it, I would have been in a similar situation. Let's hear more about this horse because I'm interested in Matt Hoisted's comments. Matt, good morning. Morning, David. It is quite unique, isn't it, that two times now, twice in a row, uh, the horse has been headed and then come back. And you don't see that too often, do you? Yeah, it's always good. You've got that, it shows that sort of tenacity and probably more to the point sort of both times. Both horses sort of got to him really quick. Mm. You know, he's sort of still one that's still sort of putting it all together. He's very much still a, still a bit of a work in progress. And, you know, we sort of really emphasize on Boris, you know, really sort of allowing him to sort of work through his gears to sort of, you know, build to his top and not sort of go have to go from, you know, sort of zero to 100 sort of straight away. I think that's sort of been it just both times. Those horses really got to him quick as he's still sort of building through his gears. But he's... um. Obviously, got a got a really good will to win, which is is obviously half the battle. And um, you know, glad he could really get the job done for us yesterday. Watching the race live yesterday, Matt, did you did you think he was well? Not gone's the wrong word, but did did you think he was uh, unlikely to win when they came up to him, or did you think he when 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 uh, yeah when that thing turned, he sort of really sort of put a bit of margin on him. I thought, geez, we're in a bit of trouble here. But then just sort of knowing him, and and when it sort of didn't really pull away, I knew he'd sort of keep coming, but. Um, yeah, definitely thought we might have been in a little bit of trouble at about the, the 250, but, um, you know, it's good good for him, as you said, just that it's hard to get that, that real sort of desire and, and will to win, and he really sort of, um, you know, responds, responds to Boris when he really gets into him, so it's going to take him a long way. You make a good point about having the will to win. That is, that is half the battle. You're spot on there. Two-pronged question here regarding this horse. Uh, would you consider blinkers, and is there a possibility you may geld him? Yeah, without a doubt, he's always been a been one that's probably going to be a blinker horse in time. He's just been a bit of a, can we sort of say, a bit of a work in progress. You, you see him at the races, and he's the most lovely and relaxed colt. He, you wouldn't sort of think he's a he's a colt. The way he walks around, he's like an eight year old gelding, and his his demeanour's that way. But just on the track, he can get quite fierce and and quite ferocious. And and in time, in, in turn, that's why we haven't sort of you know mentally haven't thought he was sort of ready for the for the blinkers just yet. Just thought he'd sort of take to him the wrong way, and I think it's just going to be more with a, a bit of maturity. Um, look, I know probably not just just yet. We sort of think in time. He, he just can have a bit of a bit of a sort of play around, and I think he will be better as a going. But um, it's probably hard. I know the sort of owners want to want to try and, and keep him a, a cult for now, so he'll go for a break or. Uh, have a bit of a discussion with them, but probably keep him keep him as a as a cult just for now, and and sort of maybe even sit down and have a have a bit of a think about that sort of next preparation. Uh, another two prong question: When are we going to see your good filly stroll um, back? Uh, obviously, won a, a nice listed race over the carnival, and could you just give us a bit of an update on the progression of Uncommon James? I know it was a very minor uh, setback, but how's he sort of coming along? Yeah, so Stroll, uh, Stroll will trial on or jump out. Sorry, on Tuesday she's uh, she trialled last Thursday. Uh, she's come back back really good. We just still probably get through um, get through that trial and make a call. She'll either go first up into the mode, or whether we feel she needs a run, she may run at the that Sun uh, Sunshine Coast meeting sort of two weeks yesterday, just in a thousand metre three year old. Uh, but look, really happy with her. She'll she'll go mode. Uh, wait a month into the Vaux Rogue, then into the, the Magic Millions, but um, couldn't be happy with the way she's come back. She's in, in really good order. Uh, and Uncommon James will head to the pre-trainers tomorrow. Actually, just up with him now. He, he looks fantastic. He's he's done really well in his in his break there, and um, yeah, looks looks fantastic. So he'll he'll head back there with the 
view of getting him uh, racing first up in the Rubicon uh, down in Melbourne. And Oakley Plate, obviously, is the, the target there. Yeah, correct. Yep, Oakley Plate, and sort of just see where he goes. Feels to you know, really put his hand up. Then obviously the option of a of a new market after that potentially. But um, yeah, obviously he still just take it sort of one race at a time with him. And just I'll throw two more at you. Shooting for gold and Scalapini. Yep, so both back in. So shooting for gold uh, is come back in. Scalapini will come in next week or this week sort of coming. Uh, he will probably, uh, Scalapini probably goes to the, the new syndicator race, uh, Magic Millions Day. Uh, so he'll run there first up and, and just sort of uh, working out sort of shooting for gold, whether he has one or two runs uh, heading into the Sprint Millions Day. But he, he's done, done super in his, his sort of month that he had out. Good on you, mate. Always appreciate your time. Thanks for that. No worries. Matt Hoisted, the the training partnership with Steve O'Day. And, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in this horse enterprise attack, just what he's been doing, uh, being headed and then fighting back. And I think Matt makes the really good point that he's got that will to win, and, and that's, that is half the battle. You can't teach that, can you? Well, maybe you can teach it, but you kind of have to be born with it, don't you, really? You have to have it inside you, and that horse has obviously got it in spades. Linthorpe Lamb won the last race at Eagle Farm last Saturday. He threw a shoe prior to the race. He was replated, and he went on to win and was well-backed. Could you believe it? He was in the last race at Dooman yesterday. He threw a shoe on the way to the gates, was replated, was heavily backed, and here's how he went. In the straight, Tears of Love at the 300, joined by Ulysses. Linthorpe Land outside the pair. Tears of Love has got a bit of a kick. Aussie Nugget needs to get a real move on. They got to Tears of Love now, and Linthorpe Land striding clear. The favourite is home in the last. Aussie Nugget runs on. Ulysses still there. They knew what they were doing here well and truly. Linthorpe Land cantered in. Beat home Aussie Nugget. Third was Ulysses. Fourth either Hail Manhattan or Tears of Love. Then came Ligulate, followed by Faistos. Well back Isabella's Spring Bargannon. And at which end had two wide a run. Ran last in 136 and 96. I was mentioning to someone after the last race yesterday, uh, I thought Linthorpe Bland had a chance yesterday, but I thought his win was just to win the previous week. And I thought the bookies might take him on. Well, it was exactly the opposite. He was just off the map, best back runner of the day, and won by a country mile. Yeah. Um, the other one in the betting was... Aussie Nugget. I'm not sure what Aussie Nugget is. Whether he's, uh, he seems to find 1600 metres too short, 2000 metres too long. So <laughs> maybe just an 1800 metre horse. I don't know. But look, last race, Larry Cassidy strikes again, and he um, was a nice double for him because he he won early in the day on Enabler, which gave uh, Josh King his mm. first um, you know Metro win of of any variety. Josh King, obviously Steve Tregay's offsider, worked you know heavily with Incentivise. So Really nice moment for Josh King, the, the, the former bush jockey earlier in the day. Now, this last race, do we have a replay of this race coming up? I don't know if we do or not without revenge. Race six, we have race six. Let's have a listen to without revenge because Ben particularly wants to listen to this replay. <laughs> the home straight, though, and Lorena on the inside reached the lead only briefly, though. Without revenge, raced him on the outside to join it. Then came Houdat running on pretty generously and Rations trying to get through, but without revenge, now assumed authority. Trying hard as Houdat, then Rations without revenge in front. He's going well. He's too good for them. And the favourite salutes. Without revenge first, photo the miners, Houdat or rations. Fourth was Mock Taffy, best work late. Then Daintree Diva, Lorena, Magic Mikey, Jimmy Neutron. And trailing them home was Takunai in 138.86. Well, that cheering you could hear was Ben Doris. He was one of them cheering because he thinks this horse will be a carnival horse next year. Yeah, I do. Winter carnival. Yeah, I do. Um, import um, purchased by Grant Morgan uh, from Braves and Bow fame on track um, syndications. 
this horse over in Europe, they tried it over um, 2,400 metres, uh, just wasn't a stayer, was purchased as a miler. Uh, two from two in Australia, 1,400 metres on the Sunshine Coast, first up, bang, one easily. Yesterday, bang, one easily. Length and a half, yeah, was probably getting a little bit tired at the end, but was, um, you know, hadn't run for a month. Wasn't actually intended to run in that five diamonds yesterday, if you don't mind, against Ellsberg. So, look, that's how much they think of him. Look, I know he's not beating much. I, I get that. But, well, you know, you can only do what you can do. He's won two from two. I reckon he's impressive. I reckon he will make his presence felt at the Winter Carnival next year. You sound less bullish on air than you did off air. No, well, that's exactly what I said off air. Well, what else did I say? You said it with more venom. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Well, what, yes. why do you disagree with me? What's, why, are you, uh, well, why are you potting a horse? I'm not potting... You I'm, are potting the horse. I'm, no, in respect of... Well, you're potting what, me. Well, I'm always potting you, but what I'm saying in respect of what you said... I think at this stage, that might be a bridge too far. Let's see what happens in the f- next few months. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, a counter-argument to that. Mm. I know he hasn't beaten much. One by length on debut, one by length and a half yesterday. He's only going to get better. Like, he's an import. He's, it's only his second run in Australia. I mean, David Van Dyke's just getting used to training him. Completely different training methods, completely different country. I think he's going to be a good horse. Okay, fair enough. On that. I, don't want, I don't want to end on a bad day with you. I don't want to end on a sour day oh, with you. Why not? Let's have a blue. No, you've got to work with me tomorrow morning <laughs> as well. Thank you for your time, Thanks, as Tony. always. Ben Norrie's joining us. He'll, he'll be with me on Press Room tomorrow morning. Ross Gove joins me from Racing Queensland tomorrow morning too. I want to discuss in more detail some of these new races of the Magic Minions. There's been a lot of questions about uh, the race, the debutante, and also the, the syndicate race. So we'll talk about that tomorrow morning with Ross on Press Room. Thanks for your company and look forward to being with you tomorrow morning. Have a good day. Bye-bye.